welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, United Bank, Mylin, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Welcome to Positively West Virginia. Each week on our podcast, we interview West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with listeners like you all across America. We publish these stories on iTunes, on our website, PositivelyWV.com, and through print publications such as the State Journal, as well as numerous news websites throughout West Virginia. Our goal is to help educate and inspire our audience, people just like you who are interested in West Virginia business with these positive business stories. This week, we're going to learn about Brian Joseph and his company, Touchstone Research Laboratory, located in Tridelphia, West Virginia. Brian, are you ready to get down to business? Absolutely, Jim. All right, Brian, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast this week to talk about your company. Brian Joseph is the president and CEO of Touchstone Research Laboratory, LTD, a company Brian started right out of college in the 1980s. Over the years, Touchstone has developed new aluminum alloys, steel products, foundry products, new ways to manufacture rockets and aircraft, and many other things. Brian has built one of the most successful and innovative commercial research and development organizations in the United States. Currently, Touchstone Research Laboratory is in the process of spinning out three high-tech businesses based on its inventions. Brian is named on 25 U.S. and international patents and is recognized as a leader in R&D management. He has served on the board of the Industrial Research Institute, the country's most prestigious R&D association, and has been the keynote speaker at conferences across the U.S. Brian has received numerous awards over the years, including Entrepreneur of the Year for West Virginia from Ernst & Young and the National Blue Chip Enterprise Award from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. After matriculating from what is now West Liberty University, Brian went on to perform graduate work in biophysics at The Ohio State University. In 2015, he was conferred an honorary doctorate from West Liberty. When not working, Brian serves on the board of the J.B. Chambers Foundation, drives a hydroplane race boat, which we're going to learn a little bit more about in this interview, I'm sure, and enjoys time with his wife, Julie, and daughter, Tesla. Brian, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that brief intro, and give us a little behind-the-curtain look at your personal life. Wow. Um, So I will say one thing about the hydroplane race Yes, sir. Um, You're never so focused. Um, It's the only time in life I am completely focused on one thing is when I'm going along the water at a very high rate of speed in my hydroplane, I have to say. Awesome. That sounds like Um, a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Um, we have in Wheeling, we have the world's largest collection of vintage hydroplanes uh, every year. It's on Labor Day. Um, they come from all over the United States. Uh, and um, this, the Ohio River is a unique place in which to drive race boats um, because you want neither really, really flat water nor do you want a windy place. You want some place broken up by, uh, by hills where you get a small chop on the water and it, it makes boats really, really fast. So um, I love doing that. And uh, I love time with my child, uh, Tesla. She is a lot of fun. Awesome. So Brian, 
you know, give us a little background. How, how did you get started right out of college with Touchstone Research Laboratory? What, what got you into this line of work? So I've always loved science, and I've always loved the idea of inventing. And I was in my last year of, uh, of college at West Liberty then. It was West Liberty State College. And, and um, I realized all of a sudden I could not, get, uh, I could not work for anyone. Hmm. I didn't feel I had it within me to have a job. It's probably why I was never a great student. I probably uh, don't like taking direction from others on a regular basis. I suspect that's what it is. So um, what do you do when you're in that situation? You go to graduate school. <laughs> I went to graduate school in biophysics at Ohio State, uh, spent a year. I bought an electron microscope for $100, uh, bought it uh, against metal scrap dealers, took it home and uh, spent a year and a half rebuilding it, and um, went out and said, I'll help you solve your manufacturing problems, and sort of started from scratch. Uh, the bad news of, of such an approach is I was very poor for a long time. Um, in my seventh year of business, I made a salary, I think, of $4,000. That's the most I made in seven wow. years. By year 10, I think I made a salary of $20,000, and that was huge in my world. Uh, by the 11th year, it just really took off, hmm. and it's been nothing but wonderful since. But um, starting young has the advantages of you don't usually have a lot of debt. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. That's great. So it's a great time to take risks. On the other hand, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so that's sort of a negative. So um, so finding a balance in there is difficult. But I, you know, I would not. I don't regret at all having started early. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. What's your thirty second elevator pitch for Touchstone? So. Touchstone is a company that invents things and commercializes those things, takes them to market. And it's the goal of making the world a better place. Awesome. That was like a eight second elevator pitch, <laughs> but I love it, man. Yeah. It's right well, it's on point. Simple. Yeah, it's simple. And I, and I love that. So, so can you give us a little background? Like what, what exactly, how does that work? How, what's that process look like? You guys have all these patents and you're doing all this great stuff. Give us a little back, you know, behind the scene look of, how that actually works. So uh, in the United States, 3% of the federal research and development budget is set aside for small business. It's called Small Business Innovation Research, or SBIR. Um, we've become extremely good at writing SBIR proposals, at getting funding. You Typically, your phase one is 100000 or $150,000. Your national win rate is about one in 10. So every 10 proposals, one of those wins. Um, and then after you finish your phase one, you have about a 50-50. In some, in some agencies, it's a one in three chance of getting a phase two, which is typically a million dollars. So we brought in uh, large amounts of money uh, to develop new technologies. And, and by the way, so what are these technologies? The federal government puts out solicitations for what it is that they need to buy. So you know you have your customer. They give you the money to develop it, and then you get to own the intellectual property when you're done. And so we, we have done that repeatedly. And, um, and based upon our inventions, we have uh, done license agreements with companies, 
and I've done one joint venture and um, taken one company public so far and been spinning out. We have uh, at least three more to spin out coming up in the next couple of years. Awesome. One of those is Seafoam LTD. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what what that is? And it's C-F-O-A-M, so the letter C-F-O-A-M, LTD. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think the C stands for carbon. Yeah, carbon foam or coal foam. Coal so foam. It's a foam okay. that we make from coal. So um, as it turns out, if you take coal and you grind it into a powder um, and you heat it under pressure, it blows up into a beautiful black foam. So just envision styrofoam only a thousand times stronger and completely fireproof. And so that becomes a base technology to do many, many, many things. Um, <clears throat> you can make fireproof walls. You can make energy-absorbing structures to absorb energy from, from um, bombs blowing up. You can make electrodes for batteries or electrodes for fuel cells. You can make the molds for next-generation composite airplane parts. And, and, the, and just like any foam, the applications are almost infinite, except this, this, this sits unique in the world of foams. And because it's, because it's so high temperature and because it's, pretty much fireproof, um, sky's the limit. So, so in order to, so we invented the foam and we invented all the ways to improve the foam and do a hundred things with the foam. And then we invented the many applications for the foam, like the fireproof walls. And, and, um, in particular, I needed to find a market for the foam. Mm-hmm. So, because I needed to sell it to somebody. It's hard to insert a new material into somebody else's uh, process because you know, someone's designed something with the materials they had for some reason. And so to get them to adopt a new foam, then they have to change the design of their product. So what I did instead was I spun out another company called Touchstone Advanced Composites. Uh, and Touchstone Advanced Composites makes the molds for next-generation airplane parts. So we work with all the major aerospace companies. Um, every every major aerospace company you could name is in here. We make molds to make their airplane parts. So the seafoam business, we spun out as one company, and that ended up going public on the Australian Stock Exchange, uh, the ASX. Um, and, yeah, and it's uh, it's traded under the uh, under the symbol CFO like chief financial officer, which, which I think, and this has been, this has been a really fun experience, by the way. So the first day it came out, it hit national news in Australia because the whole market went down like 3% that day. And they said, there's one shining light because the, the, it went from 20 cents, I think to 80 cents in the first day of opening. And anyway, so you hit national news. It's sort of, it's sort of fun. Um, and it's been a great experience um, taking a company public. That's been um, very enjoyable. Very, so, a learning experience, I have to say. So so you're making foam out of coal. And yeah. you happen to be in one of the largest coal-producing states in America. So mm-hmm. is that, was, that, was, was that by design? I mean, is it, uh, how did that happen? Yeah, so um, we, we, had a pro- we had a project that needed um, – uh, a fireproof material for Navy ships. And um, one of my scientists 
um, came to me one day and said, because we were working on a different process, and he comes to me and says, do you mind if I start with a coal and a lump of coal in a hot plate and see where we can go with it? <laughs> now, as an R&D manager, I think the, the, the number one thing you have to learn to say is yes. Right, right. right. Especially if people have new ideas. I mean, if you said to me, do I think this is going to become a big deal at the moment? I wouldn't have seen it at all. I'm pretty sure that you didn't see this, uh, you know, launching on the Australian stock market in 2016, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I I just go, sure, go ahead, see what happens. And um, part of the invention process is staying very positive almost all the time. I mean, if... So, you know, Elon Musk talks about, well, if it doesn't break a law of physics, then why can't we do it? Um, and I'm, I'm sort of of that, of that ilk, right? So it doesn't break a law of physics. We, you know, could we get to a fireproof material with it? Yeah, probably. And uh, anyway, it started from there and we worked on it for quite a long time, like the better part of 20 years um, and, and hundreds of thousands of research hours. And we invented many, many, not only the product, but many applications with the product. And uh, through this SBIR process, that government-funded research, uh, we've been able to open up some pretty big applications for the foam. That's fascinating. That's awesome. So you have another uh, company that you're spinning off, too. It's Touchstone Testing Laboratory. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so as we built... Uh, this research laboratory, um, I had, because I'm in Wheeling, West Virginia, and there was not like a local university with a lot of equipment, I ended up building what would look to you if you came here like a university research facility. I had, uh, I think, three electron microscopes, chemistry labs, mechanical testing labs, corrosion labs, you name it. If you could test something, um, you know, I had it there. So at some point I said, you know, this doesn't make sense because I use my electron microscope maybe a day a week, maybe an hour a week, maybe less at times. So, you know, what we really need to do is split this off as a separate company and offer testing for lots of other people. So, so we did that um, probably two, little over two years ago now. And uh, we bring in work mostly in terms of volume, aerospace work. So it's all the big, you know, Lockheed, Boeing, uh, Sikorsky, Bell, those kinds of companies mostly. But we also do a lot of local, we, we test virtually virtually everything. So then, um, then um, we are building two satellite laboratories right now, one in eastern Ohio for, uh, for a steel company and another one down near Ravenswood, West Virginia. Um, to do some aerospace testing down that area. So we are, that business is growing at a very high rate of speed. I'll say it'll grow um, nearly a thousand percent in 18 months, which is 10 times its size. Yeah, so it's going really fast. I I suspect we'll be building another laboratory in another state uh, probably next year. So yeah, that's very exciting how that's going. It's very well equipped. We have incredible talent in that business. How many employees and, do you uh, have, uh, Brian? So, wow, that's a great question. So in the testing laboratory, 
we have 20, 30, let's say around 35 right now. I'm not exactly sure because, because everything's growing so fast, that number will, will increase significantly over the next six months. Yeah, so in the, each business, so I have to think about each one because they're all growing. Now, the research laboratory, the laboratory probably has, let's say, 23, and the, um, the Touchstone Advanced Composites has about 30 people, and I don't know how many are over in Seafoam. If I were guessing, I would guess somewhere around 30 today. Awesome. Very cool. Well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Brian, I want to take a few seconds just to mention some of our sponsors for Positively West Virginia, and they are the State Journal, WVNews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. It's the support we receive from these organizations that allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia, just like Touchstone Research Laboratory and Brian. So, Brian, I want to get back into this. You know, a, a couple of things, you know, I, I'm just blown away because I've, I, I, you know, how many times have I driven across route, uh, Interstate 70 and seen your buildings over there? Uh, just off the interstate, and wonder what the heck goes gone, you know, goes on in those facilities. But now we're learning about this, and I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of us who've seen that and wonder what the heck is Touchstone, right? So talk talk a little bit. You know, you've been doing this since the 1980s, uh, and even though this is positively West Virginia, sometimes I like to talk to our guests about their worst business moment because I think there's a lot that can be learned, especially for young entrepreneurs from an experience like that. Can you take us to your worst entrepreneurial moment you've had in business so far and kind of share that brief story with us and and uh you know kind of what's on your mind on that uh, topic yeah so um probably probably twice uh i've had serious serious problems in both cases they were sort of the same thing um i piloted the company into an area where um Cash became very, very tight, and it was usually about trying to do more than we could afford to do at the moment, which is a very easy thing to do um, in a technology company. Um, and uh, in both cases, we got through it fine. Um, so, so my advice for what you do when you get into these businesses, these kinds of problems are virtually any problem in your business is don't give up. Businesses don't fail because they become impossible. Businesses mostly fail because people quit and, and you can't blame them. It becomes really difficult. Um, maybe, you know, you're, maybe you're uh, having to cash out your 401k. Maybe it's, you have to sell your car. I don't know, but, so often, so often what's on the other side, as long as you still believe it, as long as it's logical that there's something there, I would stay with it. The other thing, the other mistake people make is they don't reach out. And my experience has been entrepreneurs help each other a lot, a lot more than you'd probably think. So if someone calls me and they're in the situation I was in, I would say, come over right now. Let's sit down. Let's look at everything. I bring my CFO in. It's what you do. And I've had people do that for me. I've done that for other people. 
you know, reach out. You'll be amazed how people want to help you. Absolutely. That's great advice, too. Brian, what would you say is the best thing about being in business in the state of West Virginia? Okay, so so the most amazing thing that we don't know about ourselves, and there's much about West Virginians we don't know about. There's much we don't know about ourselves. We don't know how inventive we are. We don't know how many times we have changed the world through the invention of things like polyvinyl chloride, which PVC is what your plumbing is made out of in your house, right? Uh, that was invented here, or the steamboat, or literally 10,000 other things. Um, but, and I think that's, by the way, I think that's a weakness. We don't celebrate that stuff enough. Secondly, the exciting part is that West Virginians know how to make things. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but um, to do what I... I want to go back 100 years. Um, Thomas Edison built the first research facility around 1880, and, and um, well, more, well, more than 100 years, and, and, he, and in Menlo Park, um, New Jersey. And he brings in, like, um, three well-educated people, and everybody else was local. He had about 22 people. And in, in um, six years, he puts out over 400 inventions with 22 people. So how do you do that? Okay, the trick is you've got to have some people who know where the state of the art is. And then you have to have a bunch of people that can make anything. And he used to brag that, you know, in my research laboratory, I have everything from, um, we can make anything from a fine lady's watch to a locomotive. That was sort of his, that was his strategy. Now, I never knew of the strategy a few years ago, but we are run exactly the same way. In West Virginia, you've got people that grew up in the Industrial Revolution. They know how to weld. They know how to machine things. They know how to run electrical wiring. They know how to do this stuff. And that became the backbone of what is Touchstone Research Laboratory. Yes, we brought in some really smart people, often West Virginians, very well educated from all over, but they often come up with, they work together as a team and this team invents things at a rate of speed that I think rivals anything on earth. And I don't think you can do this so well in, in the Southwest in the Southeast. There's a band of people that run from us through Pittsburgh, through, uh, Toledo to Detroit to Chicago, that's that, the, they used to call that the foundry or, uh, or uh, the rust belt. Uh, there's another group up in New England. Uh, I think this is, these are unique places in the world to do this kind of work. Yeah, that's incredible. Brian, what's, what's the one thing that you feel like you're most excited about for Touchstone right now? you got a lot of stuff going on. What's the one thing you're most excited about? Man. So for me, it's really, really difficult because it's, uh, I live in such a vibrant world that I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's the team we have here. We have a team that's, that's uh, quite incredible. And by the way, they're a lot of fun to be around. I, I love, I look forward to coming to work each day and, and seeing the people that I work around here. And um, as we've been expanding and finding new team members, 
It's been fun getting to know them. In terms of what world-changing things are the most important to me, man, every day it's different. So yeah. I really don't, I don't have one yeah. uh, right now. Well, it's, it, you strike me as the kind of person who runs to work rather than walk to work, yeah. which I, I love that. that What's, hop, right. Well, uh, all right, so let's talk about the vision. What's the vision for Touchstone? Where, where do you see yourself going over the next few years? Well, the short message is keep inventing and keep spinning companies out, but, but more precisely. Um, so we will, we will spin out the world's strongest aluminum. So this, has nothing to, this part has nothing to do with the foam or coal. It's, uh, we call the product Metpreg, M-E-T-P-R-E-G. It's three times stronger than the world's strongest aluminum alloy. And we are right now developing the business plans to spin that out as a separate company. We either make it uh, as like a sheet metal or, or a tape, uh, or we can wind three-dimensional three um, uh, parts. Um, and the other thing about this, this is it's, um, it's good to over 1,000 degrees. So I can run, I can use aluminum at 1,000 degrees, and there's no aluminum you can use above 400, right? So this is, this is revolutionary in the world of aluminum. So that's a, that's a thing that will happen. Uh, next year, we put the world's first non-metallic exhaust system on, on a Navy ship. Um, if you think about corrosion problems in ships, it's all about salt water getting down in the exhaust system. It's virtually not repairable. I mean, you have to tear everything out to repair it. Um, we've invented a way to do that without using any metal in the exhaust at all. Uh, I put the first one on a ship full scale in April of 2019. And then um, we have a, we've invented a new thermal protection system for rockets made from coal. Uh, so I think we'll revolutionize the way in which coal, in which we build rockets and it's all going to be flying completely covered with coal, which is sort of a counterintuitive <laughs> idea. Yeah. So, that's, that's and, incredible. And by the way, and there's, there's eight or 10 other things behind us yet to come. So we're really, really excited about the future. Yeah. You could tell. It's, I mean, it, it, it's fascinating just listening to these stories because you know, like I said, I've driven by your place how many times, countless times, and wondered what the heck goes on over there. And now, now we're getting a, a real glimpse into the inner workings of, of what Touchstone's doing and what your your visionary leadership is doing. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, one piece of advice you would give to young entrepreneurs. I mean, you, you yourself have given a couple of nuggets there, but what's one piece of advice you would give young business people or young entrepreneurs looking to start something here in West Virginia? What, what would you say to them? Study everything. So um, it's one thing to know your craft and what you do, and that's very, very important. But you're going to deal with humans. And so humans have lots of interests and, and lots of perspectives. Challenge everything you think you know to be true and assume it's, right, it's not true because almost everything you believe is not true. But if you look at, I mean, there was a time not that long ago that we didn't think a human could go faster than the speed of sound. That wasn't that long ago. It's like a generation ago, right? And then Chuck Yeager does it and it's like, now it's like nothing. It's like we've been and doing it all thought, you know, forever, right? <laughs> that's right. And, and we, 
we, the opportunities are not usually, they, they don't come exactly from what you learn in school. The opportunities come when you put pieces of a puzzle together that in part involve that. But more often than not, they involve other things that you think are not related. I mean, so often, so we invented a really exciting algae technology. So, so, so the best way probably if you want to make an artificial oil someday is to start with where oil came from. And oil came originally from phytoplankton in the ocean that, that's a kind of an algae. And inside of Touchstone, the inventor of that was not my microbiologist. It was a ceramic engineer. And that's not unusual. Don't worry about, oh, I'm, I'm this one thing. Take on, as, assimilate as much information about as many other things as you can. And then try to find ways to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. So don't be another pizza company or another um, golf course. Find the way to do it in a novel way that no one's done before that will attract a lot of people to you. I think that's the, that, that would be my biggest piece of advice. I love it. That's, that's, well, I always say, you know, and this is most, most often the case, but you've got to solve a problem, right? I mean, that's ultimately yes. what, what you're trying to do when you have a company is solve somebody's problem. Because until you do that, you really don't have a need in the marketplace. That, that's right. That, that is right. <clears throat> So, Brian, what's, what's one thing you do every day that you think contributes to your success? So, uh, positive attitude, number one. Love it. Uh, number two, number two, get rest. <laughs> Don't, it, when you're an entrepreneur, it is really easy to get really tired. Uh, I can't overemphasize that. Um, and, and, so, and so that's important. Get exercise. That's something current at the moment I'm struggling with, but it's very, very important, uh, a very important piece. And the last one I want to mention is, is, is study, study, study. Now, the, now I've moved away from reading books so much, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because of the time commitment for any one book. But what I do do is watch videos on YouTube, I listen to podcasts, um, but specifically with the authors of the books that I might read, and I might watch the same author give five or six lectures, and I can do that while driving to work, while doing other things, and and I really think the amount of information we can assimilate now um, has really gone up as we have moved away from books and newspapers as the only means. I mean, they're still wonderful, but now there's mul- now we can be reading books while we drive a car, right? The, it's it's um, incredible, audio. isn't it? Yeah, the, what we have at yeah. our disposable or at our disposal, right at our fingertips, is incredible. What's one re- resource you use in your business that you just can't live without, Brian? Okay, uh, <laughs> everybody laughs at me around here. I use PowerPoint. I use PowerPoint every <laughs> single day. So I had I had some visitors today. I gave a PowerPoint presentation. And and here's the thing. I don't use it like most people use it. They're, if you see a presentation from me, it's 99% pictures and 1% a few words every once in a while. But I would say 
my average slide has maybe two to three words on it. That's it, which is effectively a title. Um, but words are great ways to tell stories. And I'm, I'm sorry, pictures, pictures are great yeah. ways to tell stories. Right? They always say a picture paints a thousand words. And so, and so what they do is they amplify the story I'm telling. So I use PowerPoint a lot. Awesome. And we just talked about books a minute ago, but what's one book you would recommend for aspiring entrepreneurs or business people? Yeah, so um, over the years, I like any of the books that, that, are, that are very, very positive and sort of preach um, uh, a positive attitude. So if you want to go to the, the, the granddaddy of all of them, it's Think and Grow Rich. Now, what I like about Think and Grow Rich is um, it is out of context with the current world. So you're going to read it and you're going to go, oh, it's uh, male-centered. And I'm going to say it's white male-centered because that was the world in which that was written. But what I like about that is it strips away all of the current worldview that we have. So we, you experience the same ideas in the modern books without the current culture in it. You strip away all that other stuff that, that isn't good anymore. You'll just ignore that. But it's easier to see, to me, to see the message that's powerful as opposed to the things that are just culturally common now. Absolutely. And so for me, it stands out a little bit, a little bit better. It's timeless, but, basically. You know, it is. Now, are there lots of other good current ones? Yes, and they're all good. Yeah. So, Brian, you, you've been around West Virginia for a number of years now, decades. and mm -hmm. uh, But I still got to ask the question, if you could meet anyone in West Virginia who could help your business get to that next step, next level, next phase, who would it be? You know, I've been wanting to meet you. I think that <laughs> you're the most important one. <laughs> well played. Well played. Actually, I've... I've been around. I've been around a long time. Uh, I've met. Uh, here's the thing: as an entrepreneur, if if there was someone I wanted to meet, I would have met them already because it's that important to me. And I go around and I do that. But I have to tell you our biggest problem in West Virginia, and it, and it's and it's part of this. We live a life divided by the oldest mountains on the planet Earth. The Appalachian Mountains were formed at the time of Pangaea, which, so those of you geologists in the audience are all smiling right now because you don't usually get to talk about Pangaea. Um, and, um, and mountains happen when continental, plate, uh, continental um, plates uh, collide into each other. So we formed at the time of Pangaea as, that's how old these are. When you touch these mountains and these rocks, these are some of the oldest rocks on the planet. Earth. And by the way, um, here, here's, a, here's an interesting trivia question. Do you know where the other side of our mountains are? Because, you know, if we got hit by a continent, they'd make mountains here and there'd be mountains on the other side. Do you know where they are? China. I don't think that. They're in Morocco. Morocco. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Atlas Mountains in Morocco is the other half of the oh, Appalachian okay. Mountains. Awesome. But anyway. I did not know so, that. So the, so the reason that we we live this life divided is because we're on other sides of mountains. And so we don't, we don't tend to, you know, 
to, for me to come see you, I'm driving all around a bunch of mountains just to come vi- to visit you. And then for you to go down to the state capital, you have to go around a bunch of mountains. It's just not as convenient. And I would say that's, yeah. on one hand, it, it gives us tremendous outdoor space that's extraordinary, that's wonderful. Senator Byrd always envisioned that West Virginia would become the playground of the East, like the Colorado of the East. That was his vision for the state. And that's the good news of those. The bad news is it's hard to meet people. Yep. Yep, exactly. Brian, this has been an awesome time spent with you. And we just really scratched the surface of what Touchstone's doing uh, over in uh, the Wheeling area. How, what's the best way for people to learn more, dig deeper into your company and all the different sub-companies you're spinning off? What's the best way for people to learn more about you? Uh, probably our, our website and uh, our Facebook page. And I, I try and, and do a good job of keeping the Facebook page up, but we will do better going forward. Um, we've got some plans in place. And, uh, and um, hey, yeah, that's probably... What's, what is your website? And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's uh, www.trl.com. TRL for Touchstone Research Laboratory. And then from there you'll be able to get to all the other spin-off companies as well. Awesome. And we'll make sure, like I said, we'll put that in the show notes and, as well as uh, any of the other uh, things we mentioned, such as the uh, your book that you recommended as well and some of those uh, other things. Brian, this has been awesome. You know, I'm, I'm totally blown away about what you guys are doing and your leadership and, and what you're really achieving in terms of not only um, – here in West Virginia, not only in the United States, but indeed around the world. I mean, you've got a company listed on the Australian stock market. That's incredible. And so I just want to say hats off to you. Keep up the great job. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks so much. And thanks for all you're doing for making a positive West Virginia. Oh, you're welcome, man. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, wvnews.com, Interaction Media, United Bank, and Milan. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State, just like Brian Joseph and Touchstone Research Laboratory and his spinoff companies, our hope is that we in some way inspire and teach our audience by sharing these success stories in West Virginia. If you or someone you know of would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website, PositivelyWV.com. And we appreciate all the comments, encouragement, and notes that you guys have been sending us through social media. And of course, we uh, encourage you to share these podcast episodes on your social media channels as well. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga.